Hello. Welcome to Mediocre Conversations with Tom and Drew. I'm Tom. And I'm Drew. And this is the only podcast where we will guarantee the only thing you'll hear is mediocrity. You could take that guarantee all the way to the bank. And and make a deposit with it because mm. why else would you go to the, the bank? They, if they question you, just, just tell them we sent you. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, yeah yeah but that's it that's the only response you'll get so all right episode 10 there's only two left of Andor. getting pretty crazy this this television show mm-hmm. is really using all all of its episodes <laughs> yeah except the first two i would agree <laughs> Yeah, those were those were uh, a really long first act. Um, the thing about this show that I keep finding myself like pondering is how much I like all the characters except the lead guy. Mm. Yeah, and it's not it's not like I dislike him. It's just mm-hmm. that I'm like, boy, this thing is rich with good characters. Yeah uh andy circus i couldn't stop thinking about how great he was my goodness gracious. in this episode what an ad yeah yeah very sad too uh spoiler alert if you haven't seen this 10th episode yeah get on it or don't get mad at us when we spoil it those are your two options okay either either way you want to go we'll give you some time so andy circus probably dies right so this episode no way out or i'm sorry one way out mm-hmm um is the prison break that we were kind of anticipating yeah. because how else you know how else are they going to get out of there yeah so which is know, crazy by the way this 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 uh, this tv show in 10 episodes has had a heist mm-hmm. both planned and executed yeah and a prison break both yeah. planned and executed seems pretty good yeah these are some uh i believe they're called tropes (laughs) yeah the writer's room for that one's like well what if we did this one or this one or this one and someone's like why don't we just do them all guys yeah that sounds great guys we got 12 episodes and if anything about modern television has has taught us is that you can just do basically anything you want and ask game of thrones they only needed six that's right so yeah we're doing it and there's a lot of great stuff the, I thought the the heist arc was great. I yeah. really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know that I would say I enjoyed the the prison break um, arc as much for like the break part of it. Like I really enjoyed the like group of people that Cassian was with during the uh, the heist. Um, I, yeah. I would say his I colleagues, enjoy, yeah, his to sell or his colleagues, whatever you want to, yeah, the other rebels, his cube mates. Right, exactly. And then, like, but I would say, like, I am more interested in, like, the non-Cassian side of things and the prison break arc. Um, even explain. Though you know, so, like. And explain on that or expand on that. So, like, I'm really enjoying this peek behind the curtain with the ISB, the Imperial yeah. Security Bureau. Uh, I think Deidre Miro is a very interesting character. Cyril Karn being in that. Orbit is neat. We meet another character. Uh, more in depth this uh, episode, and Lonnie uh, Jung 
who was a yeah double. Lonnie's was crazy. I was like, where are we going with this? Why are we following this guy around? Oh shit, I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, we're getting to see like, and I thought the I thought that the scene, like, I don't know why Mon Mothma's not getting like entire episodes devoted to her doing stuff. Yeah. Like every time that she is on camera, I'm like riveted to the screen. Like this actress, Genevieve O'Reilly, does so much with so little every it's little insane. facial tick every little like shift in her like yeah uh, stature or whatever it's called you know yeah, yeah like it's communicating demeanor oh my de- thank you demeanor mm-hmm. like it's communicating so much and she's doing she's doing it so well yeah i'm just loving like loving it so we meet we meet a new guy yeah. Right. I can't remember his name now. Which one? See if I can find it. The dude that goes to her business. Her oh, office. That guy. Uh, yeah. He is a loan shark. Yeah. Uh, let's see if we can track down what this character's name is here. He's only been in the one episode. They have like a one five minute conversation <laughs> that is so dense with information and and undertones and and overtones mm-hmm. there's just so much going on and they're very short back and forth that ends with like him implying that his her daughter is going to marry his son uh yes and that there's like some sort of cultural thing behind so so just sort of like you know you know here we have arranged marriages it's not very common Right. Um, but you know, they're talking about they're talking about I can't remember what they call themselves either, but like that's their race or religion or background. I don't know what I don't know what you call it. So, yeah, so the world they're from is called Chandrilla. So they yeah. are yeah, yeah. Chandrillan. Yeah, yeah. By like so that would be like the country that we're from to like equate it to our society, or like maybe your ethnic background. Yeah. So if like you were so like in America, we say like, oh, well, where are your people from? Because none of us are from here, right? Right. And so like I might be like, oh, I'm like my family's from England. Or you could be like your mm-hmm. family's from, I don't know where your people are from, man. Where are your people from? Mine? Yeah. Um, Like Germany and Sweden. I'm blonde haired, blue eye. There you go. Yeah. Um, But that that's, it's really interesting, right? Because uh, it's easy to forget. And I mentioned this to you. But like we're dealing with a lot of humans here, lots. But it's interesting to forget that like there's there are still subplots of worlds that we don't even kind of recognize, right? Like Mon Mothma, sure she's a senator in Coruscant, but she's from this world that you can follow old traditions that apparently equate to arranged marriages. Yep, which is crazy and and it's pretty archaic. <laughs> Yeah, it is. They're, so like, well, their their version. I'm not saying, but right. And it sounds like that's how her marriage, which totally makes sense if you consider how they interact with each other, which is yeah, like a a veiled contempt. Two with, two like, roommates, and yeah. one of them won't stop shitting in the shower. Is basically. Right. That's pretty spot on. <laughs> Oh man, that hit me sideways. Um, 
Yeah, so there's certainly some distance or tension between uh, Mon Mothma and her husband, um, Perrin, I believe his name is. But yeah, so we have this um, we have this guy. So um, Mon Mothma has enlisted this gentleman, Tay Coma, who she maybe dated or knew as a child back on Trinity yeah. and he is going to like help her move some money around. Yeah. And then so, but like, he's like, we can't do it. The Imperials are tracking this too well. Like, I'm not going to be able to do what you want. I have a solution. You're not going to like it. Right. We have 400,000 credits that we need to replace because right now they're, they're gone. Exactly. Yeah. And we have to explain that away on paper. Yep. So they called in this guy, Davo Skulden. There it is. And he is basically like this kind he's basically like a loan shark. And now this guy is is no longer he's such a good loan shark that he doesn't really care about the money so much. Now he's trying to break into that upper layer of society. Right. He's trying to buy legitimacy. He's trying to buy the stuff that money can't buy, right? Class, respectability, political influence. Like so he shows up and they do this little fencing match dance yeah fencing match (laughs) on the in the living room having drinks yeah you know and she's like well we need x you know and he's like well okay yeah we can do that um and she's like well i would i would assume that you would want like a percentage back on the yeah what you're doing to help us and he's like nah that's cool whatever like what's a favor between (laughs) money means nothing to me right now yeah i don't care about money but you have a 13 year old daughter my son is 14 so how about you give me an invitation to come back to Coruscant at some point in the future. Yeah. And the the impression that I received was we're going to betroth our kids. Right. And Mon Mothma did not want any part of that. No. She was, this, it was basically their version of Fuck you very much. Get out of my sight. Yeah. I'm not. We're not. This is not. She's really good about that. Yeah. I just, I, I never skip over the parts that when Mon Moth was in the episode. No. So, um, so this guy's kind of persistent. Like he's, he doesn't really give her another option. It's like, he doesn't have to. Right. Exactly. He's got all the leverage. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And as much as Mon Moth, I think is willing to, do a lot of different things for the rebellion. I never, I don't really think she ever considered betrothing her daughter to some yeah, fucking gangster in a nice suit, you know, like, yeah. And, uh, they're doing a really good job of showing what the rebellion, exactly what it costs. Yes. This is a topic that master Winkle and I have been discussing kind of at length here over the last three or four episodes is sacrifice like what do you have to give up to make this work right and so this has become an ever more present theme in andor as we move through this first season yeah they're getting heavier handed with it for sure yeah this this episode in particular luthan luthan does a whole amazing monologue about it i do want to talk to you yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get to that sure uh but yeah you know um He's kind of just sitting there like, ah, I mean, you know, the, the cost is the cost. And, you know, mm-hmm. you have my terms. But 
it's really i like how you know she's like uh there's nothing to think about right we're it's not happening and he's like oh that's the first that's the first lie you've told since i got here yeah oh okay so it's pretty obvious she's um badass and really just i mean says says as it is so i'm I'm curious where that'll go but she, that's the only part where she was in it today was that one sort of conversation so now she's stuck right like yeah she, her buddy that's trying to help her out this was his best option yeah and it's not a good one and it's gonna cost her a lot and you know, I'm still I'm still super curious where they're going with her and her daughter's relationship because they they've made it a point to let us know how strained it is, partly maybe because of how disconnected Mon Mothma is, because she is putting the rebellion first. Not only does she have normal work to do, she's got clandestine work to do while appearing to do regular work, right? Can you imagine these people's lives? They have to be just exhausted. Oh my god. Yeah. All like we're all Lonnie or they, you know, like they are all Lonnie essentially in this, I mean, in this like, whole thing. You can't bullshit or like 95% the, the cover life. No, we have to do that shit a hundred percent. Yeah. And her, her sister or cousin Val cousin. Yeah. yeah. Cousin doing the same thing. You know, we yeah. see, uh, whatever that, whatever Vel's friend's name is. Cinta. Cinta. Yeah. Uh, you know, we see her a, a bit. Yeah, she's keeping an eye on Marva. On yeah, Fox. ready to but kill Andor when he comes back. That is the impression I is got. The... Like, and I, I don't get the feeling that it's going to take her. She's not going to have trouble deciding, you know? No, no. Right? The rebellion comes first. We get everything. We get what's left, right? Yeah. Is the mantra of all of them. Yeah, that's what she told to Vel. That's what Vel like relayed to Mon Mothma. Uh, Mon Mothma. And so like that's yeah, it's certainly becoming a theme. Yeah. So I'm curious. I mean, I think I think Mon Mothma's going to say yes. I don't see her other I don't see an option for her. N- no. Um, and with her husband presumably meeting Mon Mothma the same way, I'm sure I'm sure like the husband's gonna be like, This is great. The daughter's going to be like, this is great because dad said it's great. And then the mom's going to be like, this is terrible. And then they're going to be like, you never let me do what I want. <laughs> well, great. <laughs> Here's how I think this is going to go. Yeah. This is the mom's going to be, Mon Mothman's going to be like, I don't really want to do this, but I don't have a choice. Yeah. The daughter's going to be infuriated. Yeah. And dad's going to be like, to this guy's son? You think he's going to be confused? Uh, no, I think he's going to be like, we can aim a bit higher with oh, our, sure. our political bargaining chip and our daughter. With your political bargaining chip. Yeah, we could get two oxen and a goat for her easy, and you want to sell her <laughs> off to this banker? Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. This, this weird, uh, again, sort of antiquated way of doing things that the upper crust is doing. Yeah, like the other show that we were talking about, like House of the Dragon, like yeah. it comes from the, you know, the Song of Ice and Fire and, you know, the Targaryen family marries within the family, you know, and like, that's very odd. You know, yeah. we would say it was taboo in our culture. 
Um, but like we, you can point to different societies at different points in the world, almost throughout world history that have done the same thing for the same reason, mm-hmm. you know? And so now here we have a less extreme example of, okay, it's an arranged marriage. Well, we have arranged marriages in our, our culture that are still happening today. You know, it's not yeah. as prevalent as it was say through like medieval Europe or what have you, but like, right. It's certainly something that's still at play. And there is an argument that those relationships work better because they're viewed more as a partnership as opposed to having to maintain romantic love, which many people find quite, quite difficult. So sure. Um, one could say that I might be up for an arranged marriage. (laughs) Sure. So if you're out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's interesting that, you know, even if you're super rich, still, it can still happen here. Yeah. Convention. Coruscant. Right? Yeah. So like in a way, and this is just an example, I think of how easy it is to read into stuff. Mm-hmm. Like here she is, she's actively fighting against the rules and conformity and, you know, the style of government and like what that means as far as like personal freedom, personal choice, yeah. you know, all this kind of stuff. And like, here it is once again, something else that's not the thing that she's fighting against, like forcing her in a corner, eliminating her choice. Like, but we're not fighting to fix those things. Yeah. 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 You know, like that might be the next battle that you have after you win the first one, you know? So, yeah, I mean, that's sort of, well, that's the whole thing that's that sort of gets everyone in this mindset, right? All of the other senators are like, no, I can't be thinking about other people. I have to worry about my people or I have to right. worry. I can't I have to or worry me. about my station. Yeah, I have to. I need to maintain my status quo. I can't worry, you know, even if it costs everyone else theirs. Right. I'm going to maintain mine. And she's like, no, we have to think about everyone but ourselves. And she's taking that to the nth degree. Yeah. And. I'm glad that she does because sure. you don't, you don't overcome a, a system like fascism without something like that. <laughs> you need people with still, that still have power that see right. what's going on and need and know that other people need it. And Oh, so I have something to bring up here a little bit. So like uh, master Winkle has been emailing us. And so one of the questions <laughs> that he emailed um, to me over the last uh, week or so, see if I can bring it up here while I'm vamping. Um, let's see. Uh, okay. So he says, what kind of a scale do you think the rebellion is working on during the Andor time frame? So this is five years before the battle of Yavin, where Luke flies down the Death Star's trench run and blows up the thing. Um, yeah. are there thousands of people in their group, millions, but working in their own ways and not necessarily connected to Luthen's group? Are there a few hundred under Luthen directly? That's like his guess is like 10 times the number of people that I think are actively working for Luthen. Yeah. Like, so in a galaxy where there's multiple worlds and like billions upon possibly trillions of people, the rebellion and my various species. Yeah. Or various species. I think the, the number of quote unquote members of the rebellion, like that are directly, directly working on it, like Luthen, Mon Mothma, Vel, maybe even Cassian, number in the thousands if mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. well and are we talking just connected or overall overall because, 
because we, you know, we mentioned that. So then of those, of those thousands, there's probably hundreds of groups that make that up. So you're, you're talking like some, some rebellion cells are like 50 people strong. Right. Think thinking that they're fighting their own fight. Right. Yeah. Um, hang on one second. I'm going to bring up. So what I want to do is go back to, um, Luthen's conversation with Saw Gerrera. Yeah. So there is a part in that. There is a part in that particular conversation where Saw Gerrera lists off like a bunch of groups. Yeah, we mentioned that last time. Exactly. Yeah. So like I went back and I watched that discussion. So he says things like separatists. So we know separatists from the Clone Wars. Mm hmm. Uh, Neo-Republicans, which I would imagine is Luthen and, and Mon Mothma. They want a new republic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what we end up with. <clears throat> uh, he said sectorists, which I don't have any idea what that means. Um, Everything's, everything in the galaxy, there are sectors, right? So maybe yes. they want it. They want to be their own governed thing over uh, that sector. Is my I think guess. that's a logical deduction. Uh, he says the Gorman front now this the gorman front is, yeah. the, is a group of people that mon mothma has been trying to fight championing against the them right way exactly championing them in the senate by keeping their shipping lanes open because the empire is shutting them down and going to starve them out so there is a section of group of those people called the gorman front which i'm assuming is like a militant group gorman sympathizers Mormons yeah who are going to who are fighting the empire and then he says something like human cultists you know, like, and just think about this. Like, the are those are the Jedi. Thing... Okay, maybe. That's a real question. Actually, I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you could. I mean, uh, I wasn't trying to be a dick. <laughs> neither the neither the Sith or the Jedi are meet the definition of a cult, but like, sure, uh, they would certainly meet the definition. Even of from a from of the point of view of normal citizens. So. That's I know a cult, a cult has to have a human leader, right? But like, what, how how do people view? So I have always, I have always, this is just my personal impression, but like, like I have always viewed that if you are not a mainstream religion that has a certain number of people like believing in it, like typically in the millions, that yeah. people view you as a cult. Sure. Which I don't think meets the definition right. by the book of what a cult is, but what they basically mean is a minor religion that is not quote unquote state sponsored. Mm -hmm. So like Islam, uh, Catholicism, Christianity, Judaism, Mormons. these are all, yeah, Mormons. These are all religions, worldviews with followers in sufficient number to be considered legitimate. And then when you get to something like, I don't know, the only thing I can think of as an example are actual cults like Heaven's Gate, right? Heaven's yeah. Gate was not a state sponsored religion. It did not have millions of people following it. Right. But those people in that cult followed the two leaders of that cult to their deaths. Right. Crazily. And like that is the difference. Like where in any of those other religions, you might have like, Jesus, God, uh, Muhammad, and like God and Islam, all these Various other things. deities. Deities, 
you know, in cults, they worship people or like they're devo they're devotees of people. They're not devotees of deities, even if the leader thinks of himself or herself as a deity. Well, Heaven's Gate thought that there was a spaceship of aliens behind Hale-Bopp, right? And like, that's yeah. how they got to them. So yeah, Heaven's Gate, it was, it, this is just, I mean, if you sat down and had a conversation with somebody in a restaurant, a complete stranger and said, I'm a member of Heaven's Gate and I believe that my body is a shell containing the life essence of an alien and that as i move away essentially from attachment yeah <laughs> um i become more able to to shed this body become that alien which will allow me to board this ship which will ascend and take me to heaven that makes sense does it it doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> i mean like it's a, it's completely bewildering, bewildering, and that's why it's interesting. But these people, I mean, like there were, I don't remember how many people in Heaven's Gate, certainly dozens. That 80-something, I think. Yeah. I feel like. About right. And like they completely dedicated their lives to those beliefs. Sure. So then so then you think Saul Guerrero is, is talking about other other people that don't follow conventional religion or, or I, anything like that. Right. Yeah. And like, so one thing that you and I have discussed um, a couple of times on the show is that when Palpatine took power and re and turned the government into the empire, mm -hmm. he has a plan to like raise humans up and push anyone who is not human down. Yeah. So we're going to use that because there's the visual representation of that later in this episode, but he is racist because he yeah. only wants to promote one race of people. And we're not talking about skin color. We're talking about what species you are. Right. So, and like he views spe species, like humans, he's specious. He views humans as the superior form of life in the galaxy. So he's going to do everything in his power, which is immense to promote that idea. Yeah. So While getting a government full of all different species to agree with him. That takes so like, some talent. So that's the thing, right? So like it doesn't take, so as we see in like several, several shots of various Andor episodes, Mon Mothma is addressing the Senate and those are all different. I mean, those can be humans in a lot of those chairs, Yeah, but it's not all those chairs. Yeah. And he hasn't, he has convinced enough non-humans that following him is in their personal best interest that they're going to help him do something little, right? Like mm -hmm. count votes or push this agenda, or they're going to get this company to fall in line or yeah. think of, think up your next example. But like um, all of those things when added together allows him at some point to pretty conveniently put that person aside and put another human being in its place. And then you have the infrastructure and you have, you know, the walls are up and then you're stuck, you know, right. and then, like there's nothing that you can do. And he's got you. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you help me build this room. And then before you know it, they've built themselves inside the prison. And he's right. like, thank like, you. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. We're going to succeed the yet. Right. Huh? You were saying, um, we're going to go out to the desert with a shovel and I'm going to need you to dig a hole in the ground. <laughs> right. 
what could we be doing that's the old cartel trick but i'll pay you as we go per mile yeah yeah yeah. this is a really good idea wait where are we going again yeah so yeah um but uh, does the empire succeed in in doing that or i mean largely Okay, so there there is there is a time where the empire. I mean, I know that they're building right now. They're sort of building the world they want, you know, enacting the whatever initiative, the Patriot Act, as we keep calling it, right? But right. that initiative to give them no oversight and to mm-hmm. do whatever they want, and anyone who's thrown into the system gets lost into the system, and they are now just a part of the machine, right? Right, Slightly. which th- through the through the prison is what is how we see that but like this is one prison on one planet and when andor had to go to his ship there were like three or four ships slated for different destinations Mm -hmm. so there are countless planets countless prison planets working for empire brand empire um machines Right. Well, I mean, that shit doesn't make itself. I mean, right. like, one of the things that the the Empire does that is so difficult for someone to overcome is that, I mean, like, they really do think big. I mean, can you imagine, like, just being a part of the projects that you've been a part of, like, what it would take to build a fucking planet? Yeah. And they did it. And then they were like, you know what? Why don't you put a gun on that planet that kills other planets? <laughs> sure that is not easy like sure when you up the scale of something like i could build a bridge over like a little tiny stream by just pushing a log over it right but when you build a bridge over like the mississippi river now you need some thinking involved like Mm -hmm. the premise is the same the execution is what is not only that you don't want anyone that's building the bridge to know they're building a bridge right right except for a couple people everyone else is just like i'm just I'm just here to put in some supports. That's I'm the supports guy. All right. Well, I mean, I mean, if I, if I was running that prison on Nurkana five, I'd be like, guys, you are making guns. We're going to use to shoot babies, but you have to keep fucking doing it. Cause if you don't, we're going to electrocute you until you die. Yeah. I mean, but also part of, part of their issue, right. Is that all they do is think big. They don't think small, which right. is why Cassian and, you know, he tells them in the last in the last episode, he's like, "You think they're hearing us? They don't give a shit. They don't right. care what we say. All they have to do is turn that floor on twice a day, and we are going to do whatever they say. That they don't care." This is what makes Deidre such a, a dangerous yeah. opponent: is that she works for the Empire, but looks at things on the same scale yeah. that, that her opponent does, and like throughout history. It's the people who think like their opponents that end up beating those people. Right. So like she is the most dangerous person that we see in the show when it comes to like someone in the empire who can hurt the rebellion. Yeah. She's terrifying. I mean, like I'm legit. Like I can't take my eyes off her when she's <laughs> on screen. Cause she's so goddamn interesting, yes. but like insanely dangerous. So yeah, um psychopathic. You have to be. Like she's very clearly a sadist. Yeah. But like people like her find positions in governments, in agencies like this. When you yeah. when, when state sponsored torture and like 
human rights don't matter. Like people like this rise up to the top because they're remorseless, unfeeling assholes. You know, I, whenever something like this happens, I always replay in my, in my head, um, the opening of Endgame, where in the black maw is like rejoice everybody. Yeah. Your savior is here. You don't have to worry. And like, this is great, great news for all of you. Yeah. And like, they, they truly believe that they are just being helpful and that, that everyone should be super stoked with what's going to happen right now. So Loki in the first Avengers film says almost exactly the same thing to the people in Berlin. Yeah. 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 It's like, he's got everybody on their knees they're all scared right so they're kneeling out of fear and he says is this not simpler yeah like your life's joy is diminished because in your struggle it's like to work you know to try and out compete each other for resources or happiness or whatever else that you know like you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff so there's here yeah, exactly. I, there's one more line that I'd like to to throw yeah. in. So I, I watched a show called Rome on HBO that was on 15 yep. years ago. Great show. And so it one of the big themes of it was uh, when Julius Caesar was rising to power, he had to fight a guy, another politician in Rome named Pompey Magnus. And uh, so there's a scene where Pompey is trying to work shit out with Caesar. And this slave runs up to him and gives him this piece of paper with a message on it and he reads the message and he's like oh shit it didn't work what do i do now and he's like thinking to himself and he's like what's my next move what's my next move and then he looks at the slave who's on his knees head head down eyes down waiting for his next command and he says Mm -hmm. um what a relief to be a slave to have no will yeah because you don't have to think you don't have to worry you're just waiting for your next set of instructions yeah and this is what the empire oh what i wouldn't give to not have to think about this stuff right now exactly and lucky son of a bitch who hasn't thought that at some point in your life like i'm tired of the grind i don't want to do it today sure and so like this that's one thing but then looking at somebody with no autonomy and just being like you lucky son of a bitch right because and this is the (laughs) this is the thing right like this is what fascism does to people is it takes away their ability to make choice right concentrates it in the very few and so like poor pompey having to make all the decisions Mm -hmm. and like the slaves probably like if i if i knew i wouldn't get killed i would bash your face in with a rock right now and try and escape (laughs) right those are the choices that i would make yeah like when your choices equate to death and someone else's choices equate to what they're having for lunch today like it's not the same thing (laughs) right yeah you can count the choices you have on one hand yeah because you only have one hand right and there's only one consequence (laughs) uh and or was just going to the store and they threw him in jail for six years slash forever yeah forever is the answer yeah right so a lot of this just like the heist episode a lot of this was the prison break yeah um which which was interesting i know winkle has some issues with that um sure. you know he, he thinks that they kind of took up arms too quickly or more people bought into it too quickly right which 
I mean, I disagreed with him. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's sort of like you have, you have prisoners that are, uh, management mid-level management right yeah, there that's kino lawyer yep. their Circus. circumstances are exactly the same yeah except they they're a little bit more logistically labored than physically but like you know hierarchy wise they're just a prisoner like you their button goes down the same way as yours right you know um and he's like, you can tell he's super focused on that number, that getting out number. Cause that's probably what he, everyone has to tell themselves that right. I have this many shifts, this many shifts. I don't have, and, and that's sort of, you know, that's a small version of what the empire is doing. Right. It's like, I'm not going to help you. I'm not, this is fine because I only have 200 shifts left. I only have 256 shifts left. Mm-hmm. So everyone don't fuck this up for me. Everyone do everyone stay in line and be the good little prisoner that you are. Who cares what's being said elsewhere? I have, I'm getting out of here soon. Everyone, you know, if someone gets punished, we all get punished. So let's not do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he learns that there is no last day. I mean, that would make you flip instantly. So uh, that number that counts down to like when you get to go free, that's his hope. Yeah. That's what he's putting. All his eggs are in that basket. Right. He has faith in that number. Because the structure, the, the thing that he's working inside told him it was. Why do they need to lie? They have all the control. Why would they lie about it? So... And then you're told you're you know, like the medic who also played Harry Potter's father in the uh, Harry Potter movies. Yeah. Yep. Um, James. Yep. That was James. Uh, so like there's a, there's, there's a picture where James and Lily are dancing with each other and there's like leaves blowing around in the background. The yep. actor that plays the medic played that, that role of James. That's nice. Yeah. Um, we need a lot more of this stuff. So, So it turns out, we discussed this last episode, that the um, prison facility fried like 100, 200 people uh, because... Day shift and night shift. Yeah, because the re- I mean, the reasoning behind their mass murder was that one of the people had been reassigned to their group, and he was from a different level. Yeah. And he said, this is what I'm inferring here, he said like... I was just from a different level. Like they told me I was getting out and they sent me down here. Yeah. I finished my last shift on level two or on level four. Right. I was supposed to be released. I got started over again on level two. Now, how the fuck did the empire not be like, you know what? I wonder if they'll talk when we reassign them. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they never even thought about that though. Yeah. We're we're in the hole. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Just reinforcing what Cassian's been yeah, saying the like, entire what? time. Someone's just like, oh hey, um, are we really letting these guys go? And he's like, ah, no. I just put them on a different level. Right. And that guy's like, let's go. So is this the color you guys wear on two? Yeah. All the all of the 
Right. All of the people that made that decision are looking at the slave and being like, you lucky son of a bitch. You don't have to decide things. You just get to do what, what, you know, that those are the types of mentality of these people making these decisions, the top of the top of the empire, right? All of the people sitting around the circle table and on the death star. That's, that's, that's these people here, right? Like they're so far removed that they don't just also, you just don't care, right? Of course you don't care. Like once you, you, once you you establish a thing, well, well, right. And once you establish something like a prison, a prison camp, yeah a, a work release prison camp right and you're just like oh yeah we're, we're running like thousands of people on like a skeleton crew of guards and like we have it set up so good no one's no one's gonna defy that so then and to be fair they didn't until they did no right, right? And, like, and like but that like lends itself to more and more of these you know blind outdated decisions where eventually yeah of course you're just gonna be like mm, just throw them on another floor and then let I'm going to get back to my uh, drink Whoops. with the worm in it. Right. Yeah. You love that drink. Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. The, the, the thing about Cassian that I think is interesting, especially, and it's highlighted in this scene is like Cassian's very poor at convincing everybody to look at his point of view. Yeah. Cassian's really good at getting the one person he needs to look at his point of view. Yeah. And, he for he for some reason is like one of the only people Luthan is as well, but one of the only people that kind of sees the empire for what it is, which which is interesting and makes sense too, though, because like if the empire to me sounds like you know sixteen planets of Nazis are all together, right, yeah. just running the galaxy, and it might not be, but that doesn't matter, like. Have you ever seen the, the picture of like this elephant that just has a, a piece of rope around its leg and like the the rope isn't tied to anything. It's just there. And like the elephant doesn't leave because when it was a baby, it was tied up in that manner and it couldn't leave. And so now it just thinks it can't all it has. It's not tied to anything. It's just like, well, I'm stuck here, guys. Like you, you see this rope? I'm stuck here. Like that's like times a billion for all of these people w- within the, the under the regime of the empire. Right. Right. Exactly. So like your, your example reminds me of an example, like um, there was a fish tank and on one, the fish tank is divided in two. And on one side, there's a, like a trout or something, a fish There's a normal fish. Yeah. And on the other side, there's like a piranha. And so the piranha wants to eat the trout. And so every day it like, floats up to the glass and they're like nose to nose, like the glass being, you know, yeah. a hair's breadth in between them. Right. And then one day the person with who controls the fish tank takes out the glass and the piranha runs right up to where the glass was and stops because it doesn't think that it can go past it. Right. And this is what the empire does. It's like, we are putting you inside this structure. We're giving you the rules of the structure. The rules never change. And if we change them, you'll never consider the fact that we would change them. And so this is what ruling through fear looks like. Yeah. And, and, and you give everybody except Cassian gives the empire way more credit than they deserve. Right. Because they have no reason to think otherwise. Right. Or they're afraid. Right. And he's, and he's like, they're, they're just people. Like us. Pina, it's pina colada night guys <laughs> right. 
<laughs> right. And we're getting an interesting look at both sides of it, right? Where it's, yeah. where they're just like, they're, it's nothing but infighting and people that want to be more successful and people that want to do good and rise up in the ranks of bureaucracy. That's all that they're nothing but a bunch of whiny ass people too, that are just like, no, it's my idea. Well, don't no, it's my idea. I'm when I'm the good student, I'm the good employee, right? Like that's all they're doing. Mm-hmm. Cyril being the worst of it, but everyone else not being much better. No, but the, but then we're seeing all of the, all of the people that are negatively affected by it are all like, you can't fucking take down a monster that they will, they will find you in your sleep and kill you. Right. You know, oh, so yeah. like the the oppression of the empire is so vague yet so specific to everyone. It, it's basically like you know your imagination is far worse than reality, right. and the empire rules their imagination, one hundred percent, and that's all that they need, right? So, yeah. so then, of course, uh, for Andy for Kino, yeah, his switch is flipped as soon as he's told you don't leave. Right. They put you back somewhere else because he was very much like, I'm out of here soon. And when uh, old guy was dying, right, he's like he was clinging to he only has 40 days, man. He's the next one. This is great for him. This is, you know, this is as good as it gets for him. I can't wait to be in his position. Yeah, You got to you have to survive. He has to survive because he has to leave because I need to believe that you can leave this place. Right. And then as soon as he's given the bad news. Uh, that his 401k tanked in retirement is not on the table. Mm-hmm. Then he loses it, right? And then, but but then he gets to the uh, intercom section, section, yep, room. Don't know what I was trying to say there. And lets everyone else know, hey guys, this, you ain't leaving Mm-mm. unless you do it right now. And there was, I, it was a cool heist. It, I, I'm glad they used water because I was like. Couldn't they all just like squirt their water and short it out if they if they were in their rooms and just skirting squirting their little uh hose on the ground? And then they did. Yeah, I did. I wasn't sure what the the I can't swim line was all about. Like, why do you add that? I think his was just like I'm letting everyone escape, even though I know I'm not going to like, that's what, that was his sacrifice. That's what I got from it. It was, he's so like, I, I know I'm not leaving the ship, but I fought I think he, for everyone I think he to shows up in a future episode in season two. You think so? So, yeah. So the, all the prisoners managed to, well, at least in one of the facilities that we see. Yeah. Just the one to get out. And they, a lot of them, jump into the water that this facility is around and they swim to shore. And then the last, the last thing that we see of the prisoners is Melshi and Cassian running through the yeah. wilderness together, trying to get away. I would love to see how they get off that planet, by the way. I don't oh, I think want, we're going to, I don't want no Cinta bullshit where it's like, how is she going to do it? And then she shows up on Ferrix weeks later. I want to know exactly how they get off this planet. I think it would be a good idea. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Sorry. But then Kino, right before Cassian gets plunked into the drink, he says, like, I can't swim and you don't see anything else at Kino. Yeah. But I would be surprised if that were the end of him. Now, it would be a noble sacrifice. That's the vibe that I got. If he shows up, awesome, because he's great in it. But I think he was just like, I did this knowing I would never actually leave. Which is 
this this is what a hero is right this is what and it's on par with the message of the whole episode which is everyone sacrifices yeah (laughs) which i has andor sacrificed anything yet you can make a case for it i suppose but not really yeah i wonder if that's going to be some weird giant reveal or if it never is which is fine too but like we haven't really mentioned he's he's been in situations he's gotten himself in situations where he's had to do things but like he isn't i mean obviously we know he gives up his life at the very end is that is that his big sacrifice like he it's a pretty big one yeah for sure it is but like at least on this show we've we see mon mothmas we see luthans now we see lonnie's which is fucking huge we Where's saw next? we saw Kinos like every, so far everyone along the way has Vel Sinta you know they're all doing these sacrifices and he's like no I just wanted money and that led to me being in a precarious situation where I could get more money so I did and then I got that money and then because of my earlier actions I got thrown in prison and I really wanted out of prison so like he he really isn't sacrificing anything quite yet. The only thing I can really, the only thing I can really tell that he possibly could have to give up is Marva. Yeah. Like I could easily see like that asshole. that's like, Hey, can I hang this guy? Yeah. Being like, Oh, she's old and sick. Well, put her in the town square. And like the, what are those <laughs> things called? The, yeah. You put your head and your hands through them in the town square. and they throw Oh yeah. Stocks. The stocks. Put her in yeah. the stocks. Yeah, you know, and then she dies in 10 minutes. What piece of shit is like this old, frail woman? Yeah, everyone needs to see her suffer. Well, I mean, because I think you enjoy it. Yeah. You ever think you think at any point some of the Empire or Nazis because they're interchangeable, right? Or they're just like. We're on the team with this guy. He he real bad. And we're wearing the same uniform. I'm not that bad, am I? I'm sure those people. Right? Like some, someone has to be like, ooh, I don't think I want to be on this team if that guy's on this team because that's, that's well beyond what I was prepared to do. I mean, I think that way about people at work. So, I mean, like. <laughs> sure. Sure. But, like, in your in your example, like, Family Guy did a parody of all the original trilogy films. Yeah. And so one of the one of the things that we get in those was like a, a Star Destroyer. And there's always like the attendants and like the busy, busy bees or whatever of the Empire, like in that lower deck at their consoles or whatever. And yeah. like Vader's walking by. And like one of the Imperials turns the other Imperial and he goes, I hate these hats. You know? And it's just kind of this like the reason I bring that up is not just because it's hilarious, right? <laughs> but because I don't think that anybody thinks that way that works for the empire. You don't, you know, like it's not their hats that they give a shit about. Like, it's right. like, I imagine. So let's use Cyril Karn as an example. Yeah. He goes to work every day before the fuck up. And he's trying to do his absolute best to get noticed because it's quote unquote, the right thing to do according to him. Like, yeah, dude's got a justice boner all the time. Exactly. And so like, but you don't do those kinds of things unless you're also a little bit afraid, right? Afraid of not being noticed, of not being promoted, of 
getting stuck in the machine. And if you're not moving up, you're dead. Sure. Because someone else is going to climb over you. And so, like, I think that the the Empire breeds the kind of person that's going to tear one person down so they can get another one. They can get one more step higher. Right. One, one step closer to the, the clouds, to heaven or whatever, you know? And, like, the problem with that is that you're just constantly pushing down everyone around you. And the way that, like, humanity whether in our world or theirs, like the way that we move forward is by lifting each other up. It's the opposite. Yeah. You know? And so like, it's just a shitty situation. I, and I think that the people that are disenfranchised with the empire, like Lieutenant Gorn on Aldani join the rebellion. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's one of the guys that was like, Oh, I'm on the team that's doing this to people. I don't think I like that. You know, and like, yeah, you're right. And like, but he didn't do it until he lost something he valued. Yeah, that's true. It wasn't just like, well, we're hurting a bunch of all their Aldani women. It's like, oh, no, my wife. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was I a lost, person, guys. I lost my wife. Now yeah. I have a real problem with it. Yeah. You know. So, like, so it, then uh, Gorn, Lieutenant Gorn, is it? I think I think that's. All right. Well, for in- all intents and purposes, we mean him, the guy who was on the inside yeah. uh, on the heist. Anyway, is he a bad person still then? No, he's dead. <laughs> all right. Right up until he died. Did he die a good person or a bad person still? So, I mean, like, this is this is a larger topic. I think it's an interesting question. It is a very interesting question. Not just because I asked it. Yeah. But like this is an interesting question. Oh, no, like, he's are, dead. Are you? Well, he is. Doesn't matter. So like, he's also fictional. If you want to go that route, Dick. Exactly. <laughs> but like, um, are you the thing you did last? Are you a sum of the things that you've done? Well, are you the intent that you had behind your? Are actions? you the? Yeah. Are you the sum of your motivations? Right. Right. Because so like. Yeah, like, yes, he helped the rebellion because they hurt, because something made him see one person out of a, out of many as an actual person, right? Yeah, Skeen helped the rebellion, but he did it just out of pure greed. Yeah. So is he a good person because he helped the rebellion? I don't think so. Doesn't matter, though, does it? Doesn't really matter. Skeen and Gorn, for all intents and purposes, had their roles to play. And so they did a good thing. thing. Right. They did does, a good thing. Does the reason why matter? Probably. But in what way? I mean, like, is it so you get into heaven? Is it so people think about you well when you're gone? What, yeah. is, what does any of that matter? What is to, I mean, what, I mean, some people go their whole lives and they're all their effort goes into being remembered once you're dead yeah but you're dead what does it matter you'll never reap the benefit of that you can't it's impossible so why you know like so i think that if you don't if you don't understand the motivations behind behind why someone is doing what they do you can't really know if they're good or bad but like it luke when Luke did something good by destroying the Death Star, 
killed tens of thousands of people to do it. At least a million, right? It's a lot. He ended bloodlines for sure. Okay. <laughs> but like Luke has killed more people in Star Wars than almost any other person just by blowing up the the first Death Star. Yeah. We write the rebellion off. as a whole then killed more people, right? I mean, is sure, Luthen, he's a big part of it, right? <laughs> is Luthen a good person? I See, would argue not really. Yeah. This this lends into that pretty well, right? So let's, let's go to Lonnie. So Lonnie, he's you know, he's with Deidre for a hot minute, and um Commander old old man. Pentagast or whatever. Yeah, Radagast and uh Partagas. They're part of gas. Thank you. <clears throat> and they're all they're all in uh in the conference room. Yeah. And uh yeah, and and you know, they all want to be the the last the person that gave the last good idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh you know, he comes up with the idea of well, we gotta check, you know, whatever. He comes up with a good idea, which is to check Kiernan or Kiergan or so Harry. So um there is a rebel cell leader named Anto Krieger. Krieger, there it is, boom. And a pilot that worked for him, they caught and they yeah. killed him. And yeah. so now what they are doing is they are going to try and trap Krieger. And to do that, they are going to stage that guy's death to get Krieger to show his hand and fuck up. Yeah. And so Lonnie at Lonnie's insistence, yes, has given them a, this is what I would do. We don't want to do anything different than what we would otherwise normally do in the situation. Yeah. Act normal is his big suggestion. Yeah. So, which is, then, which is great. And Deirdre, yeah. Deirdre, 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 there you go. She, she didn't come up with that part. Right. I and it's so funny. She was happy or mad about yeah, it. Yeah. I get so many flashbacks to like, just being, just working with people like this that like they have to like come up with the last good idea. And if they didn't, then the whole thing, like this is her whole plan, right? She was like, this is how we make it so that we weren't, uh, aren't on the hook for, for Kiergan's man. Right. So she's, she's living off that high. And then he's like, Hey, we should handle it this way. And then she's just like, motherfucker coming in here. I had the original good idea. I don't want anyone to forget that. You understand? Okay. He's piggybacking off of my awesome idea. Right. And then she, yeah, she leaves kind of pissed off. Right. Yeah. Uh, but then, so then we also learn that there's like a series of clues or, or signs that can be left to let Luthen and his little underworld know that I would like to have a conversation with you. So he's got, he's got all kinds of different things letting him, his network is, is vast. I'm getting the impression of right. I, so the reason that I think that, that this show is so interesting is that they just peel back the onion one layer at a time. Yeah. 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 And like, to me, a antiques dealer on Coruscant shouldn't be this deep into shit. Right. Right. And, but he is. So how, why, you know, like we don't know yet. Like, we know he hates the Empire. We don't know why he hates the Empire. Yeah. But, like, he has an alliance with a Imperial Senator in Mon Mothma. 
And they decided they're going to start a cell and used her cousin yep, to she... perform a heist and is ongoing. Yes. Their relationship so I, is ongoing. I made a little family tree of Luthen's cell the other day. Oh, okay. So this is how it goes. There's Mon Mothma and Luthen at the top and they're connected. And then Luthen's tree yeah. has got Clea, his shop person. Mm-hmm. And she's his like quality control enforcer chick. She's pretty cool. Slash partner, right? Because she offered to go meet Lonnie. Right. And then below her is Vel, who's a cell leader. And then we have Cinta, Melshi, Andor as kind of the worker bees of that group. Or what I'm considering what will be the group here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But now we know he also has Lonnie, who is this ISB double agent who is worth everybody else easily. Yeah. And like it from their conversation. So he takes a circuitous route to go meet Luthen. He goes down to the bowels of Coruscant. And once we, and now we find aliens, right? Yeah. He like went below the bowels of Coruscant. Yeah. So like um, you, when you want to make sure no one's listening, you have to go where no one else wants to go. Yeah. And that's down. Takes a crazy elevator. Yep. Puts in the earplug. Yeah. Starts to have a conversation. Ends up talking face-to-face with Luthen. Great reveal. It was so good. And what we learn is Lonnie's coming to tell them, hey, Deidre Miro is setting a trap for Anto Krieger. You have to get Krieger clear. Get him out. Yeah. And Luthen's like, oh, why just, on earth would I do that? Fuck that. You're way too valuable, right? And so like, what we learn is Lonnie is here with the gift of saving Anto Krieger so that he cannot be a double agent anymore. He wants out. He had a yeah. kid. He had a daughter. He didn't which, understand the con- the consequences. Which Luthen, the, the, the double speak, the quality of double speak between with, with Luthen and Mon Mothma, where they just like say one thing and you're just yeah. like, Oh my God, no. Like, he's just like, Oh, Hey man. Congrats on that daughter, though. I mean, it's, yeah. we haven't talked in here. It's been so long. Like, oh, you have a daughter now, now. right? right? That's, the, <laughs> that's the fun reveal plus the like the veil. But yeah. also, he's been being watched, which is another interesting thing. Like, so Luthen's got somebody looking at somebody, and you don't just have people that can just go and like check in on ISB personnel. No, no. So, so like the the network it's implied is much bigger right yeah so luthan is basically like lonnie wants out that's what lonnie yeah wants. lonnie yeah, wants yeah, to yeah. raise his daughter and have there be no consequences and luthan's like you're not out you took a vow i'm not letting you go you're worth everybody in anto krieger's cell all 50 of them in fact i'm gonna let them attack Spellhouse, and they're all gonna die because you know they're coming yeah, yeah. And you're going to look like a fucking genius, and then you're going to be even more valuable to me. So, like, Lonnie wants out, and now he really bears watching because yes, if he wants out, and it's like, this guy's keeping me in, now Luthen's your enemy, not the, not the Empire. Right. Well, yeah, but also, I don't think, I don't think Lonnie can ever, you can't go to your boss. This is why double agents never make it through the war. Yeah. Right. You can't go to Partagas and be like, hey, have some got, news. I got some news. <laughs> yeah. I know who's running all of this stuff, but you can't ask me how I know. And 
kill him immediately so you can't ask him how I know either. And I would also like to retire because I don't like what you're doing. You know, it's a hard ask of ISB. Um, They're not asking. So, <laughs> you know, so I mean, so like Luthen tells Lonnie, like, of course, this was going to be more difficult than you thought it was. Like, you never yeah. think about what you might have to sacrifice. And so Lonnie's like, yeah, I'm not going to sacrifice my kid. Like, that's the I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. doing this now for my kid. Yeah. You know, and he so he asks kind of naively, like, Luthen, what did you sacrifice? <laughs> so Luthen goes off on this big spiel, right? And so there's a couple of things. Great talk. Yeah. And so like Master Winkle didn't really buy what Luthen was selling here in this speech. I, I if I'm remembering correctly. Interesting. And um I completely buy it because I don't understand why anyone would do it unless you're all in like this. Because the reward, it would be tough, right? Is is it's a big, it's a long shot, and the uh, failure means death. So why start? Yeah. So like, Luthen says, and I think this is the thing that Luthen sacrificed, and he kind of lists all the shit that he says that he did. But like the thing that I think is really the the troubling part for him is that he says something to the effect of like. I have to use my enemy's tactics against them. And then to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. Exactly. Yeah. And like, think about that. And so like one of the things that I emailed back to master Winkle was imagine having to be the Tucker Carlson for the democratic party. If that meant winning, winning the election or winning the battle. Oh, sure. Sure. Whatever. Like, do you want to be that person in order to ensure the victory? Cause he does. He's he's all about it. He's in it. He's he'll sell his soul. Like he 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 wants it because the thing that matters more to him than being that person is beating the empire. Well, right. And I think you know, a lot of what he's saying is it's not just the the tools of like literal tools, but like I have to take away my own humanity. He's basically lost his given up his humanity yeah. in order to beat the empire. Because when, remember how we were talking about like the people that are climbing up the empire's ranks and like they just don't yeah. give a shit about other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the problem. Is that mm-hmm. you have to not give a shit in order to compete with a bunch of people that don't give a shit. Yeah. And like yeah, yeah. the problem with that is that you feel bad about it. Right. <laughs> right. Which which was one of Winkle's problems with it. Uh it's it's basically uh, just how he feels. His sacrifices come down to him and how he feels, right? Like what they're making me do makes me feel sad. And so that's, that's what I've sacrificed is basically. He's okay. So like Wingle's interpretation, yeah, I get that. And that's a fine yeah. interpretation. I'm not, not criticizing that. Yeah. Yeah. But like he sent people to their deaths to steal he, money. Right. He's, he's, he's forcing a dude to continue to do stuff he doesn't want to do because he finds him valuable. He's yeah. willing to hunt down and kill Cassian. He's letting safe. 50 human lives go in order to keep the, keep the cell alive. Like pawns on a chessboard. That's right. how you're treating people now. Right. Also that someone else at some point further down the line can make their own choices. Right. He's using the, the tools are people. Right. right. Human lives, I think, is the main tool, right? Correct. Yeah. That he's giving up. Bullseye. 
And so like you have to degrade yourself. Yeah. In order to be able to do that effectively. And it's gross. It's it's like, all it's, it's interesting. Not just like, oh, I'm bummed out or oh, I'm yeah. depressed or oh, I'm sad. It's like maybe I'll kill myself today. <laughs> right. We've had this conversation before because I remember last time I went through all the Star Wars, I was just like, man, the the, these, the rebels are not good people, <laughs> right? Like Andor shoots a dude straight up. We've talked about it many times. You know, all this stuff. Saw Guerrero is just like, okay, I'm going to alien waterboard this dude, mm-hmm. you know, and we know he's innocent, but like, well, we got to do it. You know, got to get our answers. Can't be sure. <laughs> so it's just like, we, you have to sacrifice human human life to make it better for the human lives that make it out of this and the future ones, right? That you yeah. don't see. Right. And like, I don't, I mean, I don't think Saw Gerrera and Luthen are anything alike. Like, I think Saw Gerrera No, 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 Luthen. no. I mean, not that you were saying that. But no, like, okay. Um, but like, Saw Gerrera's in this to hurt people because he's yeah. upset and he's, things have been taken away from him. Yeah. And so he's just the sad kid punching back at whomever because whatever pain he can inflict means he doesn't have to feel his own. Luthen's the dude that's like, this is the, this is the spider in the middle of the web. Yeah. Like this guy's fucking scary. Like I'm, I'm like, okay, man, you have, yeah, I'm like, I'm not getting in bed with you. I mean, like if it's like, I'm going to join the rebellion. I'm like, I'm going to some other cell. Yeah, I'm not doing your cell. Your cell is fucking insane, <laughs> right? Um, you know, I, I'm I'm just now reading uh, Wing's email here, and I I likened that whole thing with the imitation game as well, where yeah. they finally crack Enigma, and they're like, "It's going to be here," and then they're like, "Well, we can't tell anybody, right? We can't tell anyone that this place is going to just about to be bombed because then they'll know that we know." Not only do we have to hide it from the Germans that we know, we have to then hide it from our own military that we know. Yeah, because we know they're going to be hammers about it, and we right. can't do that yet. Because the military is playing fucking checkers, and so we need to give this to MI6 <laughs> who's playing yeah. chess. Yeah. Because we need the chess player to win the war. Right. And Luthen's a yeah. chess player. So I thought of the exact same thing. Uh, You're so smart. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Um. I actually went back and watched the imitation game after it's I got so done good. with the episode. So good. It's a, it's a real fucking shame how we treat heroes sometimes. Yeah. Uh, humanity will never miss an opportunity to disappoint you. I mean, uh, Alan Turing, not only who invented something that every fucking one of us uses every minute of our lives now. Yeah. Didn't also just, help win one of the most horrific military conflicts the world's ever seen. Uh, we chemically castrate him and uh, degrade him, him to the yeah. point where he kills himself. So yeah. thanks a lot, Alan Turing. It's real good. Yeah. Thanks buddy. We're, I mean like we're no fucking prize either. I mean like, right. Our society, we're the good guys, our society kind of reminds <laughs> me of Andor shooting a dude in the back of in the back alley. Yeah. We're the good guys here. Jesus Just Christ. FYI. Right. I guess it's not about how good you are, but how bad you're not, right? Yeah. So, I mean, so Luthen has traded his his humanity and, and who he is. To make this would work. You, would you say that's on par with other people's? I mean, you can't really, you can't, you can't scale it up to sacrificing your own life, right? Dying for the cause. But like, right. 
it's real would be, it, it's i mean that's final it's, it's also noble yeah right and none of what he's doing is noble no but necessary yeah kino is a hero because he dies with some kind of normal like his sacrifices for others yeah. right you can make the case that luthan sacrifices for others but like i guess but that, that goes back to like what's his motivation right do we right. not and does it matter I mean, that's why there's that's why philosophy exists. Yeah, because we took like there's no easy way to figure this shit out. Right. There's no math about philosophy. You have to sit there and talk about it. That's why we started a podcast. <laughs> right. You know, if like, I mean, the, the thing about Star Wars and the thing that we've said about Star Wars is that like everybody can find something in Star Wars that calls to them that they can see themselves in. Uh huh. Like that is why Star Wars is one of the best lenses for like modern philosophy that we can have because it's relatable to everybody. So mm-hmm. you have examples of like things in the story that you can relate to in your personal life to examine larger scale like ideas and philosophies that we you know largely don't think about in any other context. Like I learned I took philosophy in in college because I liked it. Yeah. You know, but like no one makes me think about that kind of shit. And like some of the best like stories and shows are the are the ones you're like, oh man, I never thought about it like that before. Yeah. That's what philosophy is. And that's that's what's great about Star Wars now, right? Because like at least growing up watching the original trilogy and everything, you just sort of get the impression you're just like, Yeah, man, those rebels, they're all really good and they're just trying to fight the oppressor, right? And for like 40 years. Yeah or 44 years like they were held up as like star wars has always been very like you and i talk about a spectrum all the time like where you fall on the spectrum yeah star wars has always been like if you're a bad guy you're a sith and if you're a good guy you're a jedi that's how it goes you're a rebel and if you're a bad guy you're in the empire you know and it's like it is stark it is black and white there's no ambiguity but like this is why telling stories in like book of boba fett Mandalorian, Andor, Rebels, Clone worlds Wars. made up of shades of gray, right? Correct. You know, hundred percent. And so this is why, when someone like you has been saying since the start of this podcast, like, what does the nine to fiver in Star Wars look like? Yeah. Well, it's because we don't know what a nine to fiver looks like because a nine to fiver isn't a black and white person who goes yeah. about their day with no like navigation about how to get through life right like that's what shades of gray mean right you gotta pick and choose your way because that's what life is and so like someone who lives in a black and white world is not living in reality so now what these shows like these live action shows are telling us is that like here's the ambiguity in star wars yeah rogue one did well that's what the solo movie did well that's what these television shows are doing well is they're giving us shades of gray. They're giving us ambiguity and it's showing how hard it is to make your way through some of this stuff. And like the rebellion, this is the only way that you could, I mean, I think, but like, how are you going to tell the story of the rebellion all over again, unless you do something like this? Right. And that's why people like it. Yeah. We, we got, we got a, um, we got a, a an amateur artist or an up and coming artist's version of Star Wars in the first couple of movies, right? It's just like all flatly drawn, and now now we're getting those shades, you know, where they're showing the shadows 
and it's a more 3D picture of it. It's just being more and more colored in a lot more finely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's also, it's interesting um, just seeing how the world is sort of developing around everything. And you can kind of see, because it's easy to be like, how could, there's so many planets and the empire is so big. Like, how could any of this stuff be going down without everybody knowing? Right. And it's like, well, if you control communication, yeah, then you spin the narrative. Yeah. And by the way, if you can go from being arrested for no reason to jail in a matter of 45 minutes, like if you go from initial contact with the police officer to on the ship to another planet that has no communication outside in this in less than an hour, like who's going to know anything about that by the time you're gone, mm-hmm. right? By the time his, his girlfriend uh, back in the, back in their hotel room was starting to get hangry because she was just a little hungry. Now she's like, where the fuck is this guy? He was supposed to go to the store. He's already on the ship, right? Oh yeah. He already had his sentence swiped on the credit card slider and he is, he's, he's lost his shoes and everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but and then she, now she has to figure out where he went. Like no one knows that now. And that's, and there's a planet full of hydroelectric electric prisons, just full of people yeah. that, that are the exact, they got there the exact same way. Right. Yeah. So it's easy to know that no one knew. Yeah. And like, let's make let's give us a real world example of this right like what's going on with those ice camps where they were keeping all those detainees that were crossing the border those sure. still up and running well no who knows because we don't hear about them anymore right you think that's not controlling a narrative i mean like i'm betting they're still there yeah <laughs> something is still going on right yeah ice wasn't like oh the story died because the washington post decided to stop printing it on the front page <clears throat> this last monday we'll let everybody go yeah nope <laughs> Yeah, not exactly. How shit works, and so like, and that's now where that, everyone has I mean, a camera and the like, internet. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, do you think people? I mean, like, we've already talked about that. Like, there's no cell phones in Star Wars. No, no. There's no fucking cameras that you can just upload to the internet in Star Wars. They have Morse code payphones. That's what the they government have. Government owns every fucking distribution node of communication for human. Oh yeah, yeah, in yeah. Star Wars. You know, we have things that say "Made in China," "Made in Japan," nope. "Made in USA." Like they have made by the empire stamped Correct. on everything right? hey where'd you import that from the empire neat yeah. there's no mom and pop no. I, you're not going to etsy for any of this shit right not a chance yeah that's the real loss when fascism is etsy <laughs> yeah so they're doing a really good job of making it even more and more like you gotta be get a little dirty if you need to clean up humanity right so the <clears throat> the last kind of theme i'll hit on here before we call it for the evening yeah is that like when they end a show i have like some idea of what's ahead mm-hmm. but i have no idea how they get there you know and so it's like season finale is in two weeks yeah how what are we doing like melshi and Andor are free yeah what how do we get to season two and i mean we saw spaceships patrolling behind them too, patrolling the beaches as they were running 
They're not gonna let their fucking labor force run away. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, Jesus Christ. I mean, like, your bear. I mean, like, so their reward for all that effort was to swim further than I've ever swum in the entirety of my life. <laughs> right. And which is start, not easy, by the way. Fuck no. And then, like, I won't know the greatest distance I've ever had to swim at one time was a mile. Yeah. And I, I was like, it's, a long way. You know, it's not, a, it's not a short distance. And no. I was like, I'm done for the day. Oh, yeah. Give me my three squares, but I'm fucking done. <laughs> and like, and then, like, okay, we're barefoot. Let's run across the wilderness and then try and figure out a way to get away from the people that run this planet. This three new mooned planet. Yeah. It's it's you never cross the finish line. <laughs> oh no. The whole time, the whole time they're like, we gotta go, we got I'm like, where are you going to? What yeah. what what do you what's your what's your goal here? They're all dogs chasing a car right now, is what Pretty I felt much. like to me, right? You know, and like Winkle's like, how can everyone be on board with this? And I'm like, because the place where you are is terrible. And like literally right. anything else is better. Like dying in the ocean, swimming for your freedom is better than making those industrial, whatever they are. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, by the way, I could not stop envisioning because everyone's just jumping from 50 feet. If this was real, they all die. Well, those. So first of all, first couple of people, I'll go ahead and concede that they get in the water. Fine. After that, you have it's just hundreds of pounds of human human asteroids jumping on top of you. Like so many people died from hitting other people on the water. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. They're all just jumping out of a small door. <laughs> right. I mean, there'd be so many people with like broken legs. Oh, and my gosh. Broken backs and like, well, sure. From the water. We see, this, we see this like everybody made it. They're swimming away. And I'm like, oh, unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man that that's not real now yeah you're saying there's this giant prison in the ocean right <laughs> yeah on on the the on this planet where it's either sprawling seas or desert like those are the two options on this planet you're telling me that you're gonna make this girl wear a hat that's gonna emit a sound that's gonna drive her insane and then we're gonna go drink our worm juice and like betroth our kids yes this yes. is the world of star wars everybody this shit is amazing yeah i love it you can do anything really right because like any anything can come from any planet which is great right and you can just be like by the way oh and moons right they inhabit yeah. moons mustafar is a moon yeah yeah mustafar the right? planet yeah you know the <laughs> the forest moon of endor yeah. Endor is not a right? fucking moon so it's like, okay, you got your planets. Now you got your moons too. And asteroids. Sometimes they inhabit asteroids and mine yeah. asteroids. So much good stuff. There's so many places that you could be born, create civilization, create your own customs, and then go out into the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Unlimited possibilities of different cultures, different foods, different ways of living that you could bring to Star Wars. It's crazy. And that's why it's great. And like, and, you know, and like to bring this back to like a more real world example, like we're going to get visions too, like a second season of visions. So Lucasfilms is out there hiring Japanese anime studios to this. Yeah. And I've heard they have an African uh, project in development, which could be super interesting. Nice. You know, and like, heck yeah. Th- think of all the interesting combinations of like 
tradition and culture that you could merge together to create some new interesting thing that exists only in Star Wars, but harkens back to like, you know, so you know how like um, Northern Ireland and Ireland and like the Britain has been <laughs> at war for whatever. If Star Wars created some kind of like new group or figure and like their backstory was they came from a union of like those two ideals where it's like, well, yeah. I'm Irish. And so I see this side of me. I can't do the Irish accent. That was and good. The, oh, thank you. And then yeah. Yeah, you're a great liar. And then no, like, it was good. Oh, okay. And then like the British person's like, well, I see myself on, you know, in this side of the character. Terrible like, British accent oh. though. Oh, well, I wasn't trained, but like, Oh, let's sit down and have a pint together. Don't you know? You know, it's like, whatever. John, capture me like Perfect. a charms. Yeah. So, okay. you know, and like, don't go uh, that far with it. Well, I don't know how else. I don't know what other words to say that I can... the accent lets us know you're Irish. You don't have oh. to hit all of the tropes. I'm going to do the stereotypes, but, um, <laughs> yeah. but you know, you could be like, Oh, well let's sit down and, and talk. And like, Oh, I know this one British guy or this one Irish guy. And like, he seemed cool. And we had a pint once and we talked about star Wars. Yeah. Cause it's relatable. Cause you can see yourself in it. Do that shit. Don't be yeah. divisive. It's just, it's just so easy to not be terrible with each other. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm curious. I mean, we, we assume that Andor is going to come back to Ferrix. I, I just, it makes, yes. I think, I, I think we're supposed to assume he's going to, he goes back to Ferrix. Sinta is going to try and kill him. That's what we're supposed to assume. I think snatch him up either. Yeah. Either kidnap him or just be like, Hey, he's here. Then sign, you know, let people know that need to know. And then they'll come there. But I don't know that that's going to happen. I get a, I get a sense that no one's going to try and kill Andor. I think they're going to try. You think so? I wouldn't be surprised if, if Andor or of Cassian has to kill either Cinta or Vel to make it out. And like still that would make for an awkward meeting with Mon Mothma. Yes, it would. If you kill Vel, right. Um he rolls in there, oh man, this blonde chick crazy. She tried to kill me, but I like, stop that. I also kind of am hoping that by the end of this episode or by the end of the season we get an idea of like why you're so on board in rogue one yeah you know, like when like we talked about this before like when he and Jin are having this conversation and he's like i've been in this fight since i was six years old and he gets like real up in her face and like yeah yeah, yeah i'm like that is not the dude in the first season of Andor. no that's what i'm saying right is like everything that he's done so far has only been a product of his last action right and that's he yeah he's been he's been he was hanging on for dear. He was he was overstaying over over borrowing favors when we met him. Yeah, Assian is what or Cassian is what I like to call Assian is a good yeah. It's a good uh, yeah yeah a little pet name for him. Yeah, he's like what I like to call in real life a piece of shit. <laughs> right. Yeah, like because it's always been for him. He needs to. He needs. Hey, I need I to burden been... your life so that I don't go to prison. Would you mind perjuring yourself? Um, for no other, for the upside of you knowing me. Yeah. Hey, um, in, in case some cop that can just send you away to a prison planet at, and at, for no reason asks about me, could you lie for me, please? I mean, I'd Thanks. lie for you. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, but for 13 times? Yeah, probably. But like, um, uh, but the other, uh, I heard that Earth got to 8 billion people uh, over the weekend. We did it. Yeah, we're there, right? Hell yeah. Did it. Um, There's maybe five of them on the planet that I would do that for. Sure, right? And this dude is going around to his entire town and being like, hey, need a favor. Right. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know that we're supposed to like him. Like we know where it ends. So we're supposed to root for him, but I don't think we're supposed to like him. I feel that they have put no effort into making us like him. I mean, but I think, I I mean, that that's sort of on par with the themes of the show, right? Where it's like, Hey man, um, the bad guys are bad and the good guys are bad. Okay. (laughs) And some of them have to be, and some of them only believe they have to be right. And some, and some, you know, and there, and, and other things in between there. Right. Yeah. I'm uh all I know is that I really, really want to watch the next episode. Yeah. yeah. Not, not knowing. I mean, like we don't even get previews for the next episode in love it. Star Wars ever. I mean, like, so I'm watching this other show on HBO right now called white Lotus. Oh yeah. And a big part of what they do to try and get you to come back to watch the next episode yeah but this is how fucking big star wars is star wars like we don't even need to do that shit we don't need to preview anything you we know you're coming back you're so fucking hooked on this drug that the thought of getting off of it doesn't even occur to you well i never understand that like i never understand showing previews of the next episode like dude i'm four episodes in i'm gonna watch the rest of them you don't have to keep doing this right you okay if the next episode doesn't look good i'm out no, that's not how that works for me anyway. Maybe for the masses, I, it is. But I think that you're a very rare individual. Like I never watched the Game of Thrones or the uh, House of the Dragon previews. I stopped before those all the time. And TV shows now they do this thing where they kind of give you a preview of the whole season and the first episode. Like mm-hmm. they, they either start or end with it. And I'm just like, I'm here. Why are you telling me all of this stuff? Just show me the show. It's, I think most people don't care enough to, mm. they have to be repeatedly hooked. Yeah. Like you are like, I'm going to try this thing. And if, when I do that, I'm like, I'm not going to try the first episode. I'm not just going to read the first chapter of the book and then put the book. Yeah. In. Yeah. Yeah. So like me, on the other hand, like you can tell me like this, is how the book's going to start, this is how the book's going to end. And I'm going to be like, Oh, okay. And then I'm still going to read the book. Cause it's like, I don't really give a shit how they got. I mean, I care about how they got there, not like what they ended up doing. The destination isn't the big thing for you. It's the journey, right? Correct. So like that is why Lord of the Rings for me is one of the best stories ever told because it's great. It, the journey is the important part. Yeah. I mean, if you just had to get to Mordo, Mordor, geez, Frodo would be the hero instead of some little bitch that couldn't do the job when it needed it to the most yeah that's true and then Gollum was the hero so yeah my mom story, though. if you ever need to make, so like you've met my mom she's but great like, if you ever need to make my mom mad just be like that little bitch Frodo couldn't get over the finish line and she will lose her mind hey the next time I see her if you could yeah. try and remind me oh 100% yeah I'll I'll um I will not relent. Yeah. Just being like, 
I I think we should watch the Lord of the Rings. I can't wait to see the hero of the story like that. Uh, like oh, like Frodo and Sam? No, like Gollum. Yeah. No, the person that did what they set out to do. Right. The person that actually saved every other free thinking species in Middle Earth. The little distraught, tortured. If you run into the one over. yard line and don't go over, yeah. did you do anything? Uh, last I checked, Frodo was walking out of Mount Doom. <laughs> he tried to put it on. He wanted to wear it. Yeah. I think that losing half of a finger is kind of decent recompense for what he had to do. Yeah. So. All right. Good little uh, Lord of the Rings hate on the way out. No, I love Lord of the Rings. I just hate people that misinterpret no, how okay. it ended. So, <laughs> right. Well, um, you guys can email us if you want. Yeah, we'll try. We'll try and get to it. We're usually pretty good about it. Uh, mediocre conversations that, at gmail.com. I think the thing we should say about the emails is now that we will discuss them. Oh yeah. As opposed to get to each of them because yeah. Master Winkle is putting in some hard work on yeah. the emails. And like, I feel bad that we haven't gone more in depth about what he's asked, but I, we'll get, I will we'll, respond we'll get to every email. We'll for get sure. there. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, thanks for hanging out, everybody. And we'll be back again next week. And may the force be with you.